Let us pray. Our precious Father, we thank you again for the privilege we have to gather to hear your word, to study the scriptures. We trust you, Lord, that you grant us mercy to speak as oracles of God tonight and give us understanding. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So our topic is God's weapons of warfare. I think this should be part three or part four. I think it's part three. Part three. So our text comes from this uh, text we've been using where these weapons of God are enumerated. As long as you remember, they are not from men. They are from God. Ephesians 6 verse 10, verse 10, King James Version says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. That's an instruction every Christian must remember. You don't put on parts of them and leave parts of them. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, which means the deceit, the schemes of the devil. Verse 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. 13, wherefore, take up unto you the whole armor of God, repeated, the whole armor of God must be taken, all of it, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, having taken all of it now, you stand, you stand. Then he repeats again, stand, therefore, having your lions got about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and verse 15, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I think we will do the gospel of peace because this, this weapon is very, very important. And people are not aware of how the enemy schemes against the Christian because he doesn't understand what this weapon is and how to deploy it. So we're going to look at it. It's very, very critical, very important, very, very important that you understand this weapon of the gospel of peace. If we have time, we'll go to faith, but I don't think we'll be able to take faith today. So let's just take this one weapon of gospel of, of peace. Second Corinthians 2.10. 2 Corinthians 2.10 says, when you forgive this man, I forgive him too. And when I forgive whatever needs to be forgiven, I do so with Christ's authority for your benefit, so that Satan will not outsmart us, for we are familiar with his evil schemes. See, as we study along, we are going to find the evil schemes of the enemy. You don't have to study the devil. You don't have to do stuff like that. We're not told to study the devil. Those that know the devil are not strong. It is those that know their God who are supposed to study to know Christ. But as we study scripture, the scripture gives you all the revelations about the schemes of the devil that you need to know. So I will study along. We are going to be, you are going to see them paripasu, side by side with how to checkmate it. This is what it does. This is how to checkmate it. Actually, we'll be mentioning it as we go along. So it's important that you pay very close attention, child of God, so that you understand the schemes of the devil, how he manipulates people, stealing their peace, destroying their faith, and creating conflicts all over the place. So we need to understand this thing so we know how to deploy this gospel of peace. Now, we looked at two of God's weapons, the weapon of truth, we dealt with that, the weapon of righteousness, which we said has two applications. The first one is the righteousness that God gives us through faith in Christ. The Christian must be very familiar with this. If you don't understand this, you will not enjoy the gospel of peace. Actually, if you don't get this, you won't reign in life. You lose battles, 
Because you'll be struggling with, with condemnation and all stuff. So you must understand this righteousness, the gift of righteousness, which God confers on everybody who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. Actually, it's because of this gift of righteousness that you fellowship with God. So now, we, for, for, to remind us, because it's important, let's again look at Romans 3.20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. So there's nothing you and I do that will bring us justification in the sight of God. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. That's what the law reveals. It doesn't teach you about God. And then verse 21, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested. The righteousness of God, God's righteousness, not your righteousness, not my righteousness, the righteousness of God, weapons of God, his righteousness which he gives you. The righteousness of God without the law, without the law, is manifested, being witnessed by the law, and the prophet, which means the, the, when you talk of the law, he's talking about the, about the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. The, 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 age, the time of Moses, they are called the law. It's not strictly Ten Commandments. It's the era of the law is called the law. And then it says, being witnessed by the law and the prophet. The prophets wrote about it. The law wrote about it. So it's something that was predicted and said it's going to happen. Especially Isaiah wrote, he said, that God has sworn that everybody should say that he's the God of righteousness, that our righteousness comes from him. He said, because of that, no weapon formed against you shall prosper, because your righteousness is from him. So the law and the prophet wrote about these things, which is being fulfilled in Christ. That's why Christ is the fulfillment of the law. It's the fulfillment of the law in the sense that it fulfills what the law and the prophets wrote that will happen. Now, he, as he said, he said, everything written about me has to be fulfilled. Has to be fulfilled. Okay, so let's continue in verse 22. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith, not by your works, by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. So all you do to have this righteousness conferred on you is to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. For there is no difference. 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So nobody can boast anymore. In verse 24, being justified freely now, being justified, verse 24, uh, yeah, being justified freely by his grace is unmerited, is given to us. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, Jesus paid the price for this thing with his blood. Now, verse 25, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation, the atoning sacrifice, propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say at this time, his righteousness repeated twice that he might be just and the justifier of him, justifier of him, which believeth in Jesus. You don't have to do any other thing. All you need to do is to believe in Jesus because he is the propitiation for your sins. You don't have to do anything else. He's taking care of your sin. You believe in Jesus, God counts you righteous. Because it's laid on Christ all your iniquity. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to confess anything. 
And we sing it. What can wash away my sins? Nothing. But the blood of Jesus. This was some of the songs we sing we don't really believe. That's a mental accent. We sing it. If you see where we sing it, we think we believe it. But in our hearts, we have the law. We have all those things there, which we've, we've had for years. And we're not prepared to change and get our minds renewed. After singing, nothing will wash away our sins. We tell people, we give people things they have to do to get their sins forgiven. And verse 27 asks a very serious question. Where is boasting then? What can you boast you did to have this righteousness? Nothing. It is excluded. There's no boasting. He said, by, by what law? What law did you obey to earn God's righteousness? Or works? What works can you point a man to do to earn God's righteousness? But by the law of faith, only through faith, that God counts us righteous. Brethren, let's understand this and believe it. Let's not say it and at the back of our heart, we believe something else that has been there for years. Now, we talked about the second application of this righteousness. We said the righteous character that the Spirit of Christ produces through us. Quit again, quit again, is what the, Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ produces through us. Weapons that God supplies. Weapons that God supplies, not what you supply. If you don't know these weapons, you become another soul. You bring the weapons that human beings make. Bring your righteousness that people make. You bring your good works that people make. Producing this, it's not your life. It's the life of Christ. Only believe, and then you will see God's glory, which is His character, His glorious character, His power, His what all the only believe. That's all you need to, because this sense is coming to you free on account of Jesus. Your life by Jesus Christ produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. Produced not by me, not by you. Ephesians 5, 8. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Remember, without Christ you can do nothing. If you remove Jesus, nothing. Zero. Ten. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. What is it that pleases the Lord? Without faith, it's impossible to produce good works. Totally impossible. You can't. You can't please the Lord. with. It's impossible for a man to please God without Jesus. Can't please God. It's not possible. So what releases this life within us? It's only by faith in Christ because it is without faith you can't please God. Which means without faith you can't produce good works because it is faith in Christ that makes this thing he produces manifest in our lives. It is through faith you get healed, through faith your prayer is answered. The Bible says prayer of faith is what gets the job done. It said if a man can believe, he can't receive anything from God. Now, so the life of the Christian is the life of faith. Hebrew 10, 38. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back and stops living by faith, my soul shall not be pleasure in, shall not have pleasure in him. Now there are two conditions the scripture gives us that makes it impossible for a man to please God. Two 
conditions that I've read. There could be more. There could be more. I'm not saying there are more, but that's, these two are the ones that I think I've read. There could be others. If you know, that's wonderful. But let's look at these two things, brethren. We're talking about this weapon of righteousness. We must understand it because people are still confused about it. Many women in Christians don't understand it. When you talk of living the righteous life, they shift quickly to law because they don't get it. That was my personal experience for years. Now, let's see what the scripture says about this thing. There are two conditions. The scripture says if you have them, it will be practically impossible for you to please God. Number one is carnal-mindedness. A man that lives by, by that flesh, reasoning of men, will never, never, never produce faith and cannot please God because he won't accept what God is saying. Romans 8.5, those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits themselves. But those who live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit are motivated by, to pursue spiritual realities. For the sense and reason of the flesh is death. But the mindset controlled by the Holy Spirit finds life and peace. Finds life and peace. In fact, the mindset focused on the flesh fights God's plan and refuses to submit to his direction. A carnal-minded person lives on reasoning. Human reasoning. The Bible says when you have it, you will fight God's plan and we refuse to submit to his direction. The Bible talked of, of Israel, they said, because they didn't know the righteousness of God, they refused to submit to it. People still refuse to submit to the righteousness of God. They still do. Simply forget it. 1 Corinthians 2.14, someone living on on, on, on an entirely human level, rejects the revelations of God's spirit. He doesn't make sense to him. For they make no sense to him. He can't understand the revelation of the spirit because they are only discovered by illumination of the spirit. So when you tell him, hey, God gives you gift of righteousness, it doesn't make sense to him. Say, what did I do to me? can God give it to me? That would make me commission. Because he can't understand it. When the Spirit says, when you have it, you reign over sin, he doesn't understand it. It doesn't make sense to him. He doesn't know that that's what gives you fellowship with the Holy Spirit. So you tap into the power of God to live, and it's that power that, that crucifies your flesh. He doesn't understand it. It doesn't make sense. So he resorts to the works of the law, the works of the hand. That's, that's, that's all he can understand. That's all he can understand. Here we go again. Hebrew 11.6. But without faith, it's impossible not to please him. It's impossible. Now let's see Paul summarize there. I said, Galatians 2.20. My old self has been crucified with Christ. How does somebody who cannot believe this? He'll be watching. When did it happen? It is no longer I who live. But Christ lives in me. That's what you need to believe. That you die with Christ, you rose with new life. That's all, what you need to believe. And that Christ lives in you. The Bible says, let Christ dwell in you by faith. 
So I live in this earth body by trusting only, trusting in the Son of God, period. Who loved me, gave himself for me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. The death of Jesus is what makes us right with God. Without that, without that death and sacrifice, all of us are abomination to God. For without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. And if there's no forgiveness of sin, you can't have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And if you can't have fellowship with the Holy Spirit, you don't have the power to overcome your flesh. By sending his son. So when he died, sin was condemned. Completely condemned. Because man now has the power of God through which he can do all things, including controlling his flesh. So now we have to emphasize that. Now let's go now to what we have for today. The weapons of the gospel of peace that God provides as long as you remember that these weapons are of God. Ephesians 6.15 says, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Uh, TPT says, stand on your feet alert, then you will always be ready to share the blessings of peace. Blessings of peace, the gospel of peace, the announcement of peace, declaration of peace. Now, this, this weapon of peace has three applications. We've talked about weapon of righteousness has two applications. This one has three main applications. That's why we're dealing with it for today. The first application, the first application, the first one is peace Christ brought between you and God that gives you the privilege to enjoy everything God has for you in Christ, including the new life, to share your lives with the Holy Spirit in fellowship, to enjoy the help of the Spirit of God, the guidance of the Spirit of God, the teachings of the Holy Spirit, to guide you away from the traps of the enemy, the wisdom to overcome his schemes, is because you have peace with God. It's important to understand this peace with God. The peace is as a result of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, where the penalty of all our sins was paid. And because of that, all our sins are forgiven through his blood. When sins are forgiven, peace has come. It's as simple as that. What brought about forgiveness of sins? Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. There's nothing you do that brought about forgiveness of sins. Again, we sing it, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but, if you see where we're singing it, you think we believe it. We don't even understand it. We don't. If nothing can wash away my sins except the blood, why do we tell people to do things that is not the part of, that is, what do we tell them to do again? Why? Again, this dictionary says, the chastisement of peace in scripture was the pain which Christ suffered to purchase our peace and reconciliation to God. The pain, the, the chastisement, it pleased God to smite him. It was the, 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 the penalty of our sins that God laid on him. And because God laid on him, the demand of divine justice was completed in my life and your life because we paid for our sins through Christ. 
And when, Jesus, when God did that, chastisement of our peace was upon him. The thing that caused gulf between me and God, Jesus came and he was smitten. It pleased God to chastise him. That chastisement paid in full for my sins. And therefore, I owe no more payment. Between me and God, there is no more nothing. It's only peace now. It's only peace now. And that peace came only because Jesus bore the penalties of my sins. Christian. Christian. If you move your faith away from, the, from Christ, the devil will eat you like lunch. I'm telling you. You are not a match to the devil. The only thing that makes you greater than the devil is because of the greater one. It's because of Jesus. You take your eyes off him, you are breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You can be doing religion. Sin will grab you, finish you. The only hope of glory and victory is Christ in us. The hope of glory. Christ in us. The greater one in us. The cross, the blood, what Christ did is the boast of the Christian. Is the confidence of the believer. It's where our faith lies. So let's read other, other translations that help us understand this without changing the meaning. That's why I read some of these translations. They help us understand it without changing the meaning. They don't change the, the meaning. If they change the meaning, we'll find out. Now, Isaiah 53, 5, in Amplified said, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt and the iniquities. The chastisement needful to obtain peace, well-being for us was upon him. He was the one that was chastised on my behalf. And with the stripes that, that wounded him, we are healed and made whole, completely made whole, restored to glory. Now let me read easy to read version. But he was being punished for what we did. He was crushed because of our guilt. He took the punishment we deserved, and this brought us peace. We, we are healed because of his pain. Peace. Because he took the punishment for our sins. And God cannot lay any punishment on me anymore. Because he laid it on his son. So there is peace. There is peace. The Bible says it is your sin that brought this God between you and me. But Jesus paid for our sins. And the God was connected through Christ. So we come to God through him. Peace. There is forgiveness of sin. For everyone who believes in Christ Jesus. This is what Jesus told the church to preach, and we don't preach it. Hey, through Christ Jesus, your sins have been taken away. There is forgiveness offered to you. Why do you hear it preached? Show me. Let me read it again. Acts 13, 38. Brothers, listen. We are here to proclaim that through this man, Jesus, there is forgiveness for your sins. 39, everyone who believes in him is declared right with God. He doesn't have to do anything else. Church, it's in me. Faith in him. 
sanctifies anybody. Why? Faith in him brings forgiveness of sins, brings you the blessings of God, inheritance, makes you a child of God. Faith in Christ alone. This is the true and the pure gospel. Christ alone and him crucified. Any other thing is corruption. Salvation is not a man. Salvation is of God. So we need to preach this truth that Jesus trusts away our sins and God is no more counting that. Why should God be counting it when he has, when he has punished his son for it? Why is he counting the sins for? Why does the church count it and tell people to enumerate them? Tell God the sins you committed. What for? What will he do? <laughs> Bring forgiveness or what? What, what? I mean, what will he do? You have already been forgiven. Forgiveness free of church. It's called the work of grace. Grace means free. Corinthians 5.19 For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Not, no longer counting people's sins against them. Church, follow scripture. Why? He laid that sin on Christ. He laid the sins of the whole world on Christ. The propitiation for our sins, not only for our sins, but the sins of the whole world. There's no more sacrifice anybody needs to be saved. It's been done. Only come and receive it. So, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. What is reconciliation? Peace. Verse 20. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead Come back to God. Please come. <laughs> Just come. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering of our sin. So you come. So that we could be made right with God through Christ alone. Come back to God. God already made him to be seen. He bore your sins. He bore your, all of it. Come back to God. There is peace now. This is the gospel in its purest form. Anything else is impurity. Romans 5.1 Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Justified by faith is like you did nothing. Why? Your sin has been put on him. He paid the penalty for it. Anybody demanding penalty anything from you is not telling you the truth. You don't have to do anything. Only believe. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Let me read it in TPT. This Romans 5, TPT from verse 1. Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us and he now declares us flawless in his eyes. This means we can now enjoy true and lasting peace with God. Peace with God because of what Jesus did. You have peace with God. Child of God, you have peace with God. The devil attacks this furiously. 
because he knows if you can get to doubt your peace with God, your faith is gone. Confidence, gone. Boldness, gone. Prayer, finished. You can't do anything. And he's devastating people because of this thing. He was very angry about people who who preach the true gospel because he knows what it does to people. Didn't even, couldn't stand the devil. The devil was messing my family up and I thought it was God teaching me less humility. Ignorance is terrible. Nobody taught me these things. I grew up as a Christian, almost like an orphan, seeking, seeking the Bible, studying the Bible, burning midnight oil, seeking for the answer. And Christ is the answer. Finally, God saw it and opened my eyes and showed me this is the one I sent to the whole world to solve your problem, the Son of God. Colossians 1, verse 1, verse 20, verse, verse, 20, verse 19. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. 20, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. Through Christ, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth. Everything in heaven and on earth. By means of Christ's blood on the cross. That's how he reconciled us. 21. This includes you. Who were once far away from God. You were his enemies. Separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now. Church yet now. He has reconciled you to him through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. You are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Look at verse 23. I wish I can make you say it. Verse 23. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. You must. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. You see what the devil does? He attacks this thing. He attacks the gospel. He takes away your confidence. He turns you away from the power of God. And eats you like, like breakfast. When you wake up, it reminds you. To, oh, to, it's called evil heart of unbelief. When you don't accept the mercy and grace of God. And it is of God's mercy you are not consumed. If you reject mercy, you will be consumed. If you sin, sure. You don't, you said you, I'm telling you, don't, don't sin. But if you sin... You still have the propitiation for your sins. Christ himself. Jesus himself. What can wash away that sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Now, let, let's go to First John where it talks about if we confess our sins. Because this is what some people use to preach the gospel. This scripture that says if you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive you was not written to the world. It was written to believers who already have fellowship with God. And it's a powerful 
encouragement that God will forgive your sins any time, hundred times. That God will always forgive your sins because of what Christ did. So that you will not fall prey of the accusations of Satan. Because God knows that we do fall, we do sin. Why do we sin? We do sin because we have the flesh. We don't have the flesh. Paul said there's nothing good in this flesh. Who doesn't have issues with his flesh? We sin because we, have, we don't know everything. We sin in short. So sometimes our limitations make us do, make choices that is wrong. And we sin because sometimes we are plain foolish, stupid. We do stupid things. Let's be real here. Let's not talk utopian stuff that is not true. We sin because sometimes we, we, we do stupid things. And we regret it because we are Christians. We, we, we repent because we are Christians. Verses in First John chapter 1 go to, straight to the heart of the matter and tell us the truth. If you say you don't sin, you're telling a lie. It goes straight to the heart of the matter. So that you, don't, you don't get frustrated because, and look, because we are growing, can I make this statement? Because we are growing, growth implies that you make mistakes. Growth means you are not perfect yet. You are not there yet. And because you are growing, Learning process implies that you don't get it all the time, but forgetting those that are things that are behind, you press forward. You press forward. But the enemy will come and tell you you are finished. Call yourself a Christian. And some of the pretenders who think they are perfect will come and join him. The Christian life is a growth process. It's a growth process. It's a growth process. And because it's a growth process, you are going to be making mistakes because learning implies imperfection. Learning means you don't know it all. That's why you keep learning. And can I remind us? Because as we study, we're going to talk about it. Let's go to First John chapter 1 from verse 5. This is the life-giving message we had him share. And it is still ringing in our ears. We now repeat his words to you. God is pure light. You will never find even a trace of darkness in him. Verse 6. If we claim that we share life with him, but keep walking in the realm of darkness, we are fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. This place is telling us something. Verse 7. But if we keep living in the pure light that surrounds him, we share unbroken fellowship with our, one another, and the blood of Jesus' his Son continually cleanses us from all sin. So what is talking about? What is light? Light is the word. It's simple. If you walk in the light, you activate the cleansing power of God. How do you walk in the light? You walk by faith. What is it telling us? Let's deal with this one to, to verse 7. Because people get confused over these things. And they use it to, 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 you know, to make you feel, to condemn people. They, they preach something, they, too, they, they themselves are not perfect, they don't do it. But they throw it at you and, and discourage you like you are no more a Christian. To walk in the light and have fellowship with God is to walk in, in the word. The only reason you share fellowship with God, if you want to have continual fellowship with God, is the blood of Jesus. If you don't walk in this truth, you won't have fellowship with God. 
is the blood of Jesus. And if we keep believing this truth, like we read, Colossians said, keep believing this truth. Don't shift from it. If you keep believing this truth, we activate that cleansing power of the blood by faith only, like other blessings come to us by faith. We activate that cleansing power. Why? Because we are never perfect. If God is waiting for us to be perfect, we will never have fellowship with God. Because none is perfect. None. Look at how to walk in fellowship and activate the power of the blood to cleanse you. Ephesians 2.17. Let scripture teach us. Ephesians 2.17. He brought this good news of peace to you, Gentiles, who were far away from him, and peace to the Jews who were near. Now, this is how you have fellowship with God. Now, all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. When you come to fellowship with God, you're able to fellowship with God because of what Christ has done for us. If you bring any other reason, you can't fellowship with him. You can't. That's why the Bible says when we fellowship with him, the blood of Jesus cleanses us of all our righteousness. We are not perfect. Our own righteousness cannot give us fellowship with God. It's, 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 not, it's, it's, it's not anything. But it is this righteousness that God gave us in Christ which brings us into fellowship. It is this blood that brings us peace, that brings us into fellowship. So if you want to fellowship with God, now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done. That's how you come to God. Let, let me go back to that, verse, verse, that scripture again. First John 1 verse, verse 7. But if we keep living in, the, in pure light, if we live in the light, if we live in the light, that surrounds him, we share unbroken fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, continually cleanses us of all our sins. Why? Because we come trusting in the blood. We don't trust in ourselves. We don't come trusting in our self-righteousness. We come trusting in the blood and because we trust in the blood, it activates the power of the blood to cleanse us and make us pure. The Bible says you stand before God holy, pure. Why? Because of the blood. Who can claim that he has fellowship, he's fellowshipping with God because he's perfect? Who can claim? None. So are we going to stop fellowshipping because we're imperfect? Never. Look at what Paul said. Philippians 3, 7. I once thought these things were valuable. What are those things? The things he thought that brought him favor with God, brought him into fellowship with God. When he realized that they were not the things that brought him into fellowship with God, he said they are worthless. The Paul said, I don't have any time, any, any time for anything that doesn't give me fellowship with Christ. He said, I found the only thing that gives me fellowship with Christ. Let's let read it and understand it. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless. Why? Because of what Christ has done. Because that's the only thing that brings me to fellowship with God. Alone, and you will not be put to shame. Verse 8, faith John. Because this is what people use and tell people you need to do this, do this. Come on, forget about it. Verse 8. Let's go to faith John chapter 1, verse 8. If we boast that we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves. 
and are strangers to the truth. What is he saying? <laughs> Brethren, what is he saying? We cannot boast that we have no sin. And that we cannot come on our own merit to share fellowship with the Holy Spirit. We are simply fooling ourselves if we say the reason we are coming is that we have no sin. No, you can't. Because he's talking about fellowship here. You can't. You can't boast that you have no sin. All our righteousness is filthy rags. You can't boast that you have no sin. Uh, the reason I will have fellowship is I have no sin. No man has achieved sinlessness. None. Who they say have sin. I have no sin. The Bible says you, you, you are making yourself a fool. That's what it means. Because the only reason you have fellowship is because of what Christ has done. So let me read that verse. If we boast that boast, if we boast that we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and are strangers to the truth. We don't know the truth at all. We don't. Verse 9. But if we freely admit our sins when, our, when his light uncovers them, he will be faithful to forgive us every time. God is just to forgive us our sins because of Christ. Because of Christ. And he will continue to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, this verse comforts the Christian and arms you to stand against the condemnation of Satan. And arms you to prepare to say, yes, forgetting the things that are behind, I'm pressing forward. And arms you to say, I'm not giving up on my faith. I fail today, I won't fail tomorrow. It, gives, it, may, it, it prepares you to keep on going, man. It keeps on going. You are bold, you are strong in the Lord because of what Jesus has done. You go from glory to glory. Today, yeah, you might fall, but that's not the end of the matter. So falling down, you rise up and you come there and say, no, there's a lifting up. Because of what Jesus did. If we, if, we, if, we, if we fall, and that's the final full stop, I would have gone out of Christianity even today. And I'm saying to him, I say, you, you, this man, you need to be flogged. Preaching, I'm still a pastor now. Why? Because of what Jesus did. What can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus? Nothing. Absolutely Nothing. He that started the good works in me will finish it. Oh my God. He will finish it. These are awesome men that reassures you that, hey, God will forgive you every time. Is it not God that taught us? They said to God, how many times will my brother sin against me? He said, seven, seven, seven times. <laughs> so God taught us to forgive every time. Do you think that God doesn't forgive us every time when Jesus paid the price? He forgives every time. That's what the scripture is saying. He's faithful and just. He will forgive you. Why? Christ. Christ. Jesus. He bore the penalty of your sins. There's no other sacrifice. That one took care of this thing. So that you'll be able to stand against the devil and say, you are, you are not pushing me down. I'm going to follow him. I'm standing with him. I am moving forward with him. He, he, he's not done. He's not done with me, Satan. Can't you understand? And you're not pushing me out of my place of inheritance. See, when you, when you sin, when you sin, that's when the devil will come with sickness and return to convince you to lay it on you. And people accept it. That's when they are vulnerable. The Bible says we get grace when we need it most. The throne of grace. Obtain grace when you need it most. Why? It pleased God to smite him. He admit our sins. Do you know there are things you are still doing today as a Christian? Next month, you won't be doing them again. In humility, 
You are growing in knowledge. Okay, then the Bible said to us, do not forsake the assembling of yourself together. Many of you, do, you violate it. And you, you justify yourself. Has he kicked you out? <laughs> you are still a child of God. But there will be a day you grow and you realize, oh my God, I shouldn't be doing this. That's when you realize it and acknowledge it. He assures you, I will forgive you. I will forgive you. I'm faithful. I will forgive you. I'm, I'm just because my son bore your sins. I will forgive you. Every single time. When you acknowledge it means you have, you have recognized this thing that I'm doing is wrong. Again, let me repeat. There are a lot of things we do. We don't even, we don't even recognize they are wrong. Some of them will recognize they are wrong and we still do them. I will come and say, Lord, oh Lord, I'm sorry. He said, I will always forgive you. Is it not what it said we should do with one another, forgive one another? You think God will not do the same? When Jesus bought if you acknowledge your sin, if you confess it, if you say, yes, this is what I'm doing, Lord, he said, I will always forgive you. So the devil won't take advantage and, and pin you down there and say, look at you. No. No. He will always, 100 times, 100%, always, always, always forgive. Always. Five times a day, Yes. Ten times, always, he said, I'm faithful, I will always forgive and cleanse you. Why? My son paid for it. Sacrifice, propitiation of your sins, my son. When you are growing, the way we talk, you know, I, I, look, I don't have time, I would have told you my story. When I discovered the way I was talking to people was, was terrible. But for years, I thought it was correct. But my eyes opened and I acknowledged it. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. I did. He said, he forgave me immediately. Oh, he forgave me immediately. That's, that, this, this verses should reassure you and equip you to be strong in your relationship with God, in fellowship. Peace. Peace is there. Peace. Because of what Jesus did. Then verse, verse 10. Let me deal with verse 10. Verse 10 says, verse 10 says, uh, if we claim that we, we, have, we are not guilty of sin, when God uncovers it with his light, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. What he's saying is that if you don't believe what God is showing, because there are a lot of things we hear from pulpit, we read, we don't do. <laughs> we don't do them now. What he's saying is you don't, you don't believe it. When you don't believe the word of God, you are saying God lied. That is not the only thing. Let me show you another scripture. Look at this one. I want to show you another scripture. First John 5.10. He that believeth on the Son of God had the witness in himself. He that believeth not God had made him a liar. When you don't believe the word of God, anytime you don't believe the word of God, you are making him a liar. Let me ask you, do you believe everything God says? Do you? You don't. All he's trying to tell us is that when you don't believe God, you are saying God lied. But you don't. I've just been saying it now. Do we believe the blood washes our sins only? And yet we are sons of God. That will make him a liar is true because we don't believe his testimony. We don't believe his testimony. That's what this thing is telling us. That we, we just have to start believing this thing that the scripture is telling us that God will forgive us our sins. There are many people who don't believe that God will forgive their sins. So they start fasting for it. But you are still a child of God but you don't believe it. You make him a liar. But he forgives you. So we, we shouldn't be confused from today going on about our peace with God. 
and about this thing, confession thing was written to the Christian has fellowship with God. So he knows that when you realize your sin and confess it, that God says, I will always forgive you. So don't, don't let the devil roil, roil you and make you feel, no, he, he's throwing you away. No, he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never leave you or forsake you. God doesn't lie. Well, next Thursday, we'll continue with the second part, which is to pursue peace with all men. And then to, push, to have peace in ourselves. These are weapons. These are weapons that God has given us. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us pray. Our precious Father, we just want to thank you. Give you praise for revealing to us assurance. Your word always brings faith. Your word will never bring fear or condemnation. No, no. You said that you didn't come to condemn the world. You came to save the world. You gave us assurance today that as we are growing in you, as we are developing in you, as we are not perfect, as we are moving forward, that your mercy will never depart from us. You will always forgive us because of what Jesus did. And you will restore our soul. And you started this work, you will finish it. We give you praise for the peace we have with you through Christ Jesus. That peace, we are not giving it up. We are not giving it up. We are not tiptoeing to your presence. No, we come in boldly. We are coming boldly because of what Jesus did. Because there's grace and mercy waiting for us when we need it most. It's right there. To you be all the glory, merciful Father. Your mercy will never depart from us, it's a covenant word, and I knew every morning. Thank you, precious Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.